What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode one of Taking Stock with Jeff and Mikey. I'm Mikey. And I'm Jeff. And in this first episode, we are going to be talking about Evo Online. But I guess before we do that, we should probably introduce ourselves uh, just in case there are folks in here who have never heard of us before or don't know where we come from or anything. So uh, mm-hmm. you want to get us started? So I am Jeff, a.k.a. Jem. Um, I have a significant amount of experience in the competitive Super Smash Brothers Melee community. I started playing in 2006, went to my first tournament in 2008, and then I became a TO in 2012 and have been since. Um, I TO'd the largest weekly that has ever happened in the region of Arizona. Um, at its peak, we started off as just a little college event and it was five to ten people per. Uh, it grew up to 150 people plus at its peak, and it's still going to this day, um, even though I'm not there running it anymore. Uh, since then, I have professional experience working with SAK Gaming, um, as well as running events for Bravest Esports themselves. Um, so I have a, a TOing background in that community. Um, but also I've been playing Melee for a very long time, and I've also got a significant amount of experience now as both a player and a TO, well, and a commentator in the Splatoon community. Um, I got into that a couple years ago and have since, you know, been running a tournament series as well as, uh, I commentated Genesis and a couple of other events. Um, so I'm getting my, uh, I'm diving deep into that community as well. Uh, and I'm Mikey. I go by the cheat uh, in the the community, as it were. Uh, and I have been a part of the Super Smash Bros. Melee community since 2014, when I actually started going to Jeff's tournaments uh, at ASU. That uh, is my that was my introduction to competitive gaming. Um, since then, I've been competing, uh, commentating at uh, primarily Melee events. I've commentated at Genesis, Big House, Shine, uh, Main Stage, uh, some other ones here and there. Uh, so that's been a really cool experience to travel around to those tournaments and you know be part of the experience for uh, the stream audience. Um, I'm also a TO. Uh, I'm the head tournament organizer of Smash Camp, which is uh, the largest annual Super Smash Bros. tournament in Arizona. Uh, last year was our biggest installation yet. We had a bunch of top players, Mango, Amsa, Zane, S2J, Nun. Uh, it was a really sick, uh, tournament to, uh, be a part of from the organizing side. Uh, and it's been really cool to see that tournament grow. It's kind of like my pet project. Uh, and then, uh, just like Jeff, I've been working with Bravest Esports since 2018 now, uh, running collegiate events, running events for uh, you know nonprofit organizations and schools uh, and municipalities. Uh, so that's uh, that's where we come from. Uh, and I guess now let's talk about where the esports community and the fighting game community is going, at least in the mm-hmm. uh, immediate next steps, which are uh, online to the world of the internet, uh, where of course uh, Evo had to be uh, canceled in its in-person form. Uh, as we all know, gatherings like that, uh, you know, that uh, I think Evo was planned to be at the end of July. Uh, I, I think we all can agree that gatherings like Evo in July, it, it's a little bit too soon for stuff like that to be happening. 
mm-hmm. uh, which you know obviously super unfortunate uh evo you know it is a really exciting event um uh you know we've been to multiple evos before there is you know something magical about seeing fighting games on that big of a stage so um you know the fact that it's not going to be on that stage this year is a disappointment obviously but it's it it's got to be that way um but they are as i said taking it online uh and they have an interesting <laughs> selection of games uh to say the least here um yeah there's so, a lot to talk about there yeah so let's let's go through it do you do you have the list i have it as well but uh, i should pull that up that would be a good visual aid um Evo 20 Twitter. Evo online lineup. Does this have the picture? Why does this not have the picture? Uh, Why so I you found just use their graphic journalists. Okay, yeah, I've got a, I've got a. Uh... Okay, it's got the lineup, but it's just in bullet points, which is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> they, they gave you this nice, pretty-looking promotional image. Why not just put that on your website? I, right. I don't know. Why. Anyway. Yeah, that's that's one thing about this is that there's very little information actually about the tournament itself so far, aside from what games are going to be included. And when it's happening, um, mm-hmm. registration's not open yet. They don't have like rule sets or anything. Uh, most of the games that we're going to mention are actually just showcases. There are only four games that they have open tournaments for, uh, so we're not sure like who's participating in those, uh, what that's going to be exactly, how open that is to the public, whether those are right. just invitationals, you know, right? Um, exactly. And I think that uh, it feels right now like people know a lot more about this tournament than they actually do because there's just been so people have been pouring over those few frames right that we got from the video the announcement video and extrapolating and speculating and just making all of these assumptions about the the event and could be wrong it might be that they worded things a little carelessly here and there and all of a sudden we went and got the wrong idea but uh this is what we think we know at the very least. Right, yeah. Here here are the games that they're going to have uh, showcases for. Uh, so we have essentially the old Evo lineup, right? Uh, we mm-hmm. have Unist, Tekken 7, Soul Calibur 6, uh, the Tournament of Champions, which is a Marvel versus Cap... I think it's a Marvel versus Capcom 2 showcase, right? Or is it Marvel versus Capcom 3? That I don't know. Okay. Uh... But uh, Grand Blue Fantasy versus Dragon Ball Fighters, uh, Street Fighter V Champion Edition, and then Samurai Showdown. So I will let you fill in the gaps here of what's missing. Uh, there are also four. Um, I couldn't find a good cohesive for this, but there are four tournaments that actually have open play uh, at Evo Online, and those are going to be uh, them's fighting herds, right? Which is the big one that came out of nowhere? Mortal Kombat 11, uh, Skullgirls, and Killer Instinct. Those are the only four tournaments that we know at Evo are going to have open entry. You know what? What you think of when you think of Evo? Open entry, huge uh, tournaments that anyone can just come in and play in. Um, and there seemingly is a pattern there. There's there's kind of a reason why. Uh, those four games are the ones that Evo has chosen to be open entry tournaments. Um, and that is that they have a certain kind of net code uh, that they use uh, 
that other fighting games might not necessarily use. Um, and that's called rollback netcode. Uh, Jeff, do you, do you know like any of the specifics of how rollback netcode uh works as opposed to input delay netcode yeah i i looked it up a little while ago um to kind of get a rough understanding of it and there's a lot of uh programming jargon that goes into it there's a lot that you just kind of have to know about the systems um but at its core um the the game will progress at normal speed it will not cause things to take longer um, and it will just figure out what data was lost. It will interpolate as much as it possibly can going forward. So, for example, we like to think that we play, you know, so frame perfectly and our movement is so optimized in fighting games. Um, but a lot of the time you've you've pressed a button and now you have, say, 10, 12, 25 frames where you don't have to do anything. Right. Uh, your character is in the process of doing a thing, or maybe you're holding the left stick and so your character is moving, and chances are pretty darn good, statistically speaking, that you're going to want to continue moving to the left. Um, and so what an input delay style of netcode would do is if it takes too long to register you know, what's going on in the game... It will just stop the game, wait until it's got everything, you know, every frame perfectly figured out, and only start playing the game again once it has everything figured. So the the problem with that is that it changes the timing of input sequences. Um, you might get hit with a lag spike all of a sudden, and that perfectly timed combo input that you were putting in it's not perfectly timed anymore because the timing has been shifted back a little bit to account for the packet loss. Um, so now we're looking forward to rollback net play instead of delaying the time of the game, it just keeps everything running and then it will retroactively go back and fix the things that it got wrong. Um, your machine will do a simulation of what it expects will happen in the next couple of frames while it works out what was delayed. And then once it does so, it will go, oh, okay, so actually he stopped moving left on this frame, and he, so he should have been moving right for two more frames. And it will immediately reset its game state to where it should accurately be based on that new information. So whereas with input delayed netcode, you're going to see stutter stuttering, you're going to see the game kind of stop for a split second and then mm -hmm. keep going and then maybe stop again. With rollback netcode, you will still see issues. You will still see inconsistencies or things that are a little wonky, but it'll be more like a character teleports or you get hit by something that it looked like on your screen for a few frames you weren't going to get hit by. Um, little tiny deviances here and there that um, the, the competitive communities for fighting games especially have definitely decided that rollback net play um, is better because it doesn't throw off your timing as badly and also looks smoother. And so it's kind of the best of both worlds. Right. Um, and, and not only is are you going to see like stuttering, um, you know, when you experience like network issues with input delay netcode, but like you're actually, even in games that are a part of this showcase, you're, you're going to see like significant, you know, input delay. <laughs> it's what it's what they call it, right? So like... Mm -hmm. uh, Street Fighter V has a universal 
seven frame input delay. Even if you're playing offline, if you push a button, uh, you're going to see uh, your input on the screen seven frames later. Uh, essentially. And that's not even taking into account any lag that your monitor could have, right? Or if you're playing online, any additional lag that happens because of high ping, right? Because of the time that it takes for information to travel, uh, you know, across the internet from one console to another. Mm -hmm. uh, which leads us to uh, maybe I should say the elephant that's not in the room here, um, <laughs> which is Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, of course. Uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate has not, at least not yet, uh, been announced as part of the lineup of EVO, either as an, uh, open tournament or as one of these showcase events, uh, which, whoops, which comes as a shock, right? Because mm -hmm. going into this, at least as, uh, as late as March, we knew that Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, uh, was the highest attended EVO, that would have been the highest attended EVO event had the highest number of people registered for it, uh, was the most attended EVO event last year also. So uh, Smash Ultimate is, you know, like it or not, uh, <laughs> if you're coming from the FGC, Smash Ultimate uh, is the most popular fighting game right now. Uh, I think we can say that pretty much categorically. Um, and it's not here. It's gone. Uh, and a, a lot of people are speculating that that does have something to do uh, with the fact that its uh, its netcode is not quite up to snuff, uh, especially not with rollback netcode. There is a lot of speculation. Oh my right. god, so much! I, I and like I'm all here for like that. That makes great content for podcasts, man. I love speculating. <laughs> right, Specula right. I came here to speculate and chew bubble gum. And I'm all out of bubble gum. <laughs> so it's time to speculate. Time to speculate. <laughs> so I think there are um, a lot of different things that we could speculate about this. Um, the, there are immediate assumptions that people will jump to. Like uh, you look at, for instance, the four games that are giving are being given actual tournaments. And they're the only thing that those games have in common is their netcode. Right. right. Yes. <laughs> we've got Mortal Kombat 11. Okay. Triple A hyper violent fighting game. Then we've got them's fighting herd, <laughs> which is a remake, a rebrand of the my little pony fighting is magic fighting game. I cannot right. believe this is a thing that exists. <laughs> and I love it so much that it exists. Bronies are too powerful. Those two games in the same lineup, the, the only thing that they have in common, like it's it's a small indie fighter <laughs> that was made by uh, perhaps too passionate fan base, you know, versus one of the fighting games that started the genre, you know? Right. All, I there's nothing in common between those two I, except the netcode. I did actually just, just real quick look it up. One thing that all four of those games do have in common is that they're made by American developers. Uh, and I don't think oh. that that's I, I don't think that that's any sort of like bias towards American developers on behalf of Evo. Mm -hmm. I think that's just because that um, rollback netcode is not really the standard amongst uh, amongst Japanese developers. Yeah, uh, so I, I would agree that it's probably more of a competition focus than it is a, a cultural right. bias. Or something. I mean, right? Yeah, it's um, it's it's more of like a decision on the developers' part. Uh, to do that, that is driving correlation, what not causation. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So so Smash Ultimate, 
you take rollback netcode and you know that's that's definitely the paragon of what we have in terms of online gameplay in the fighting community right now smash ultimate is like you know it's got bottom tier <laughs> online play unfortunately uh i was watching uh tof talked about this a little bit and he was talking about to use mm-hmm. uh, the example that i brought up earlier street fighter having uh even when you play offline it has a seven frame input delay right so uh mm-hmm. in a way that can be a good thing uh because you'll go to a tournament and you'll play street fighter with the seven frame input delay and it can be you know, if the internet's good enough, it can be a consistent experience with what you're going to be playing online because they use uh, the seven frames in offline play to like soak the the online play. They use those to their advantage, right? Because you have seven There's frames to work with. Play, yeah, uh, because of online play, because it was already built into the game, and so the game has longer to figure out what the input was, and it's, it's right. less likely to get behind. Exactly. And Smash Ultimate actually does have that. It actually does have the same thing. There's a five-frame input delay uh, in offline play, but if you go online, they don't use that five frames to their advantage. There's always at least something like a 12-frame uh, delay. Five? I thought it was seven or it something. Might be, it might be... You might be right. there, But there is a... It does exist offline. There, There is an input delay in the game offline, and then they don't use that online. So in addition to, you know, the game being... It's it's kind of frustrating that Nintendo has all of these, like, first-party titles that they don't have dedicated servers for. You know, as, like, the mega company they are, um, everything that they do is still, is still peer-to-peer servers, right? Splatoon, mm-hmm. Smash... Uh, all of their all of their big first party titles all play on peer to peer, which is unfortunate, and it you know makes for so many problems in tournaments where you're running into you know people uh, you know people playing on Wi Fi, people playing with you know internet service providers that are you know not of the highest quality, uh, mm-hmm. and you know it's worse now because internet service providers. Uh, with like the increased traffic caused by people staying home so much or like putting data caps on people. Uh, and so, you know, people are experiencing worse internet than they usually would. So now is the time when you need to like, if you want to play Smash, you need to play online the most. And it's like the worst time <laughs> to be playing mm-hmm. Smash online. Uh, so all of those factors, um, you know, play into the online experience of Smash Ultimate being, uh, being what it is. Uh, unfortunately and so uh, the speculation again is that uh, that has something to do uh, with its exclusion from this Um, and that is definitely one speculation right Uh, there are a lot of other speculations I I told you I came here to speculate (laughs) right (laughs) Uh, Um, there are a few others um, and some of them of of course there's going to be less validity to I'm sure there there's some conspiracy theories out there uh, for example, just to just to <laughs> to air some of the goofier stuff, um, it, it, there's been you know Evo is a political thing. Um, wh- whether your game gets into Evo determines so much about that game's mm-hmm. competitive health that it's really important to the communities of those games to get them in. Like a great example of this is when uh, Melee and Skullgirls were going head to head in the Evo donation drive to make it in. Um, for those of you not familiar, 2013, Evo was like, hey, what should our eighth game be? They ran a Facebook poll 
And Smash Bros got so many votes that they thought that they were using bots to get those votes and immediately said, okay, wait, we can't use this. Uh, let's run a donation drive instead. Whoever raises the most money for breast cancer research, their game gets in. Um, and they set up a site where you could donate in the name of the game. And so it was a race between Smash and Skullgirls. It came down to the very last 10 minutes where uh, Smash Bros. Melee won the Snipe Fest. <laughs> at the end with the you know, spirit bomb thousands right? of dollars yeah. the spirit bomb right um and melee gets in but so that kind of politics causes some bad blood here and there i think there are a lot of uh, fighting game community players to this very day who think that smash bros isn't a real fighting game um because of the mechanical differences in it because of the isolation of the two communities relative to each other yeah um, some it's, people have coined yeah. the term platform fighter to describe Smash Bros style games to distinguish them from other fighting games to try and mitigate that confusion. But so there are arguments that it was time for Smash Bros to get kicked out somehow. And that was the way that <laughs> Mr. Wizard and his infinite wisdom decided to do it. Um, th there, there are also theories that uh, Nintendo is involved in this somehow, um, that maybe they don't want their online being showcased. And I think that played into the, the video you were talking about earlier from Toph, where um, Toph gets on and the, the first big part of his video is talking about uh, a, t a weird kind of commentary. I guess you could call it a gaffe or something that was misunderstood, taken out of context, yeah. where Jordan Kent, who is a, a big sports commentator that Nintendo has contracted for a bunch of their events, um, stops the show for a second to tell everybody that uh, the players are not experiencing the lag that you see on screen. Um, this is just on, a, on the production level. This is not something the players are encountering, like trying to reassure, I guess, the people that, that there was competitive integrity in what was happening on screen, which I don't, I mean, there's arguments that you didn't need to do that. There's arguments that it probably made it worse the way that it was handled. But yeah, I mean, and I the, the issue is there yeah. that the online lag doesn't look good on screen. And maybe there is the concern that Nintendo themselves didn't want their game represented in that way. Yeah. Uh, and I, I believe Toph when he says that that was essentially just like, because the production on that event was done by a, a contractor as well. It wasn't done by mm -hmm. like Nintendo employees or anything. So it's not like somebody, it's not like Doug Bowser picks up the phone and he's like, hey, I need you to lie on right. camera about the lag. theory. <laughs> right. <laughs> so where was his phone that he heard this from, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. So I, I think it's pretty clear that that was just people honestly trying to give an explanation like, it's plausible. Like, we know that that's not how Smash Online works, right? Like, those players were definitely experiencing lag. But it's, plaus it's plausible that people did think that in good faith. I think that mm -hmm. I think that it's reasonable to think that that's the case. Um, so, you know, and, and Nintendo hasn't really addressed this very much. Um, and they, they can't really, right? Like, any interaction that, like, we have with Nintendo people as community members is going to be with like Nintendo of America people who have absolutely no control over what happens with the game in mm -hmm. terms of like patching it, fixing anything about it at all. Um, and so they did actually, uh, you know, they put out a statement that's like, Hey, we're, uh, you know, Hey, we're still working on the DLC characters. That timeline is being pushed back a little bit. Um, you know, obviously because they can't really get people in the office to work on it. Uh, mm -hmm. Also, we're not going to fix the the online. There's no plans to fix the online at all. Uh, so, you know, they saw everyone on Twitter complaining about it and they were like, well, you know. They had a trending hashtag for it. Right. And, <laughs> and like, 
why would they fix it, really? I mean, <laughs> like, they don't really have anything else to sell except for getting people to buy the DLC. Like, I think Nintendo realizes that the people who are complaining about this are such a small fraction of, like, the install base of the game, of the general, you know, you know, general population that plays Smash. It's, you know, it's a blip on the radar for them. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's, it's I nothing I think that raises a that. really interesting question about why a company would want to do this. Um, quick example from Mortal Kombat again. Um, they implemented rollback netcode while the game had already been in development for a while. Mm. And in order to get that, um, it took, I believe, an extra two years because wow. the netcode is built into every piece of the game. You know, it goes down to the, the most fundamental level of a program, which is the, the machine's clock. And so every single piece of input from the player and every in-game system from the the most complicated to the most basic, all depends on things being handled in this certain way. In order to do rollback, for example, you need to remember previous game states. Uh, you don't need to do that with input delay. Mm-hmm. And so now you need to build a, a gameplay system that will robustly track everything that has happened in the game so far. Well, if you didn't program your game to do that originally, now you're spending a lot more money and a lot more man hours getting that put into the game. And that was a sacrifice that Mortal Kombat made. Are you hearing this cat meowing? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's being really obnoxious right now. Anyway. (laughs) Um, So... (laughs) Back to Mortal Kombat. Um, right, yeah, the tone shift. <laughs> <laughs> so with that game, you know, they made a huge sacrifice to get their game to that point where it has the best net play available. And it just so happened that that paid off spectacularly because now yeah. they are one of the games being highlighted in EVO Online when the, the biggest fighting game in the world is not there. Um, and y- you see that in a AAA game like that. You also see that in games that are really grassroots. I think Skullgirls absolutely fits yeah, that Yeah, I was going to say that that... Skullgirls in their butts for so yeah, many years. That point makes me feel so bad for the Skullgirls community. Uh, because, you know, Evo has called them up seven years later, you know, after they've failed to include them in Evo time after time and said, okay, now, now it's your time, right? Now, because mm-hmm. you have rollback netcode... Uh, we're including you in this where we didn't see your game as being worthy of a spot before. Uh, so I think that is it is causing some like friction among the Skullgirls community where mm-hmm. they're like, you can't just, you, you know, you can't just say that now we need you uh, because you have the rollback net code. Like their game has had a strong community, you know, for, for many years. I think the game came out in 2012, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, people are still passionate about it obviously so yeah it's i see see big parallels between them and the project m community in a lot of respects yeah um because you know they they went toe-to-toe with a smash bros game back in 2013 Mm -hmm. like this this is a game that has mario in it and link and zelda and pikachu so (laughs) even if you're ignoring that this is a first party nintendo ip even if you ignore that tremendous fact and all of the marketing that's behind that, this is a game that, I mean, has characters nobody's heard of that, you know, some, some of these characters are 
strange designs, maybe maybe off-putting to some. So some of them are sexualized. Like, there's a lot that Nintendo has going for it in terms of popularity that Skullgirls Skull does not. Yeah. And they still fielded a passionate enough community to make put up such a fight against it. You have to imagine that they love their game to death. And I mean, I, I brought up for you know the purposes of researching and giving examples of this some tweets um and some videos people like sharpie who are just going on twitter with a video gushing about how much she loves Skullgirls, you know in 2020 and how this is the best time to buy this game everybody should buy this game you know she's so excited and it's so heartwarming to see that somebody loves the game that right. much and then on the flip side <laughs> you've got um people talking about how yeah thank goodness smash ultimate isn't an evil online even yeah even people in the community right sam sora yeah posted let, let me get the exact words here but you know one of the top smash bros players in the entire world he was like top three i think at one point yeah he tweeted now. I can sleep in peace knowing that Smash is not at Evo Online. <laughs> right. And I think there are, there are, like, to circle back to the point about, like, why would Nintendo want to, you know, have rollback netcode? It's it's if they want their game to have a community like Skullgirls, you know? Mm -hmm. Which it does, uh, despite all of this, <laughs> you know? Like, even Melee, right? Which hasn't, you know, which hasn't seen pretty much any support from nintendo like they've been mentioned in a couple of like nintendo versus tweets um but like a community that has been entirely ignored by the developer pretty much for 18 years now uh is still you throw it in evo it's still gonna be well attended it's gonna be among the the highest viewed right top level melee uh is still probably the most watched fighting game there is um it absolutely not, kills it's, it. It's very close, and it, it's very bizarre how disproportionately close it is. Right, yeah, given given what it is, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, Nintendo in, in some ways knows that they don't need uh, to do something like rollback netcode in order to, uh, to make the game successful, even on a competitive level. But if mm -hmm. you're Skullgirls... You absolutely need it, right? Uh, so that's that's kind of where that comes from. Uh, and then, you know, to your point about, like, like, what would make, you know, a game's own community be relieved that it's not at Evo, you know? Like, like where is that coming from? Uh, and, and also, I think that there might be something to the argument that they're, you know, that this isn't about the online play for Smash. Um, because like, what's the worst that happens? You know, you get like, you get like MK Leo and like tweak to play against each other online. That's, that's something like what I assume is going to happen with like street fighter and dragon ball fighters here. They're just going to have like, you know, four to eight players play in some sort of, I don't even know if it's going to be just like a competitive tournament or just, you know, like a showcase of some sort. I, I don't really know what it's going to be. <laughs> right yeah the swag contest there's there's very little inf information about what it's actually going to be um so let's say it's like a four-person invitational tournament and you get like zero mk leo sam sora and tweak or something and they play online together like 
What's the worst outcome for Evo doing that? What's the worst outcome for Evo doing that? Um, it's an interesting question because I'm, I'm thinking what is, I don't know super well what Evo's business model is exactly because they're definitely, you know, Evo Online as a whole, they're losing a ton of ticket sales, obviously. They're yeah. losing the registration yeah. um, to a significant extent because they don't have a venue that they have to put up for. But then again, they don't have a venue to put up for. Like, is this making it so that they can run more profitably? I don't know that. I'm not, I'm not in It's their entirely possible, right? Like, I don't think this is going to be as highly viewed as Evo would be, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. There's, you know, it doesn't There's have the expectation that the games will be interfered with that they're not playing in the, the lagless fashion that you would get online. Yeah. And that therefore the level of play just isn't going to be as high. And, and I think the story of an Evo winner is that you go into a tournament with 3000 people in it and you're the last one standing, right? Like mm -hmm. you are the, the champion of this game. That's, that's what winning in Evo signifies. Um, mm -hmm. And that's not there for these games that have showcases, right? That's not there for Street Fighter this year or Dragon Ball Fighters or or Unist. Um, mm -hmm. So to that end, I, I absolutely don't think it'll be as highly viewed as Evo would be. And you're also watching it for the spectacle, right? Like it's cool to see that the thing is happening in the arena. You know, <laughs> there's a stage, thousands of people chanting Pikachu. Pikachu. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Like where else in the world does that happen? Yeah, it's insane. And and you should do it if you haven't done it yet. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, but um, I think the worst that can happen is that they, like, look bad for a second, you know? And that's, you know, that happens at plenty of tournaments where you have technical issues. Like, that is not unheard of. Um, and oh, the war stories I could tell. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think the financial model absolutely is like, we want to still be able to sell sponsorships for this, right? We want to have something that like our, you know, ramen sponsor can put their brand on and like side games, whoever else sponsors Evo. We, we want something for them to be able to, to sponsor so we can get the revenue from that. And so they're, they're doing an online event. There are a couple of other thoughts there which involve more developer input. Um, Evo has a fairly close relationship with a lot of game developers. Um, and so, for instance, a game developer may have decided months in advance that they want to announce a DLC at Evo. That's the kind of deal that gets made all the time, where they'll make a hype announcement because they know that the biggest group of their fans that they will ever have collected are watching it. Yeah. Um, so that's something where, you know, th this is a corporate issue. If, if it's been planned out six months in advance and then all of a sudden Evo Online happens, or like, let's let's not even imagine that for a second. Let's say Evo Online is not possible anymore, or Evo in general is not possible anymore. They lose their opportunity. So there had to be an Evo Online maybe if something like that was going to happen. Um, and this is another sort of tangential to this topic, but we've talked about it before. I, I think one other more reasonable speculation about Nintendo is that it's entirely possible Nintendo isn't out. They haven't announced that Smash Bros. Yeah. will not be there. Right. They just excluded it from the one graphic. And that might mean that they're still talking to Nintendo. Because the thing is, Nintendo, they're, the, the one thing that they always struggle with, with anything regarding Smash, is that copyright is a bear to deal with with all of those characters with all of those different games represented you know they've got square enix involved yeah there are references to disney characters and some brawl trophies like there is a pretty hefty group of corporate organizations 
who all have their content in Smash Bros. games. And Smash Ultimate took every single one of them and put them all together. So yeah. you have to imagine that the machine, the, the, the cogs of the machine turn a little bit more slowly because every single group who has a stake in that game has to be involved in any decision-making regarding it. And since this was a quick decision that had to be made, you know, Evo, one of the bigger tournaments for video games, um, they had to make a snap decision because of the pandemic. And that was as fast as they could figure it out. Right. Well, Nintendo is a bigger company. Well, maybe they're just taking longer to figure out what they want to do with this. Yeah. I wonder if Evo felt a sense of like, this is the latest that we could possibly announce this. Um, which I don't know how true that is because you'd think if that's the case, they would just open up registration immediately for these games. Um, I, I, I won't pretend to know what's happening behind the scenes at Evo or at Nintendo, but I think you're right that there is something to the idea that like we had all year to come to an agreement with Nintendo about how, uh, they were going to be involved with Evo, uh, in its conventional format. And, you know, the, the precedent of having done that with Evo before, like the Nintendo name has been on Evo for a while now. Um, Mm -hmm. I think probably since 2015, uh, if I'm, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. So, you know, they've had like four years of working with Nintendo now, like establishing how that relationship works. And now like basically in three months in two months, essentially, right. Cause this was announced like at the start of May, uh, and the first, uh, of the open tournaments begins on July 4th. Uh, so now like in two months, basically you have to make this decision on, on what a new relationship looks like with Nintendo. Uh, and I can imagine you're right that things slow down quite a bit when you're working with Nintendo. Uh, so to me, that's, uh, that's like the most likely explanation for what's happening here. And who knows, maybe it just won't happen at all. And and that's why, Mm -hmm. but, um, We've seen, you know, on both sides of this relationship, some, uh, you know, some difficulties in the past. Obviously, Nintendo shut down uh, Melee at Evo 2013, uh, but uh, brought it back due to some mm-hmm. outrage <laughs> on the Internet. Yeah, we, the <laughs> the Melee community will always hold that as, as a point of pride that they they were able to at least get this one thing out of Nintendo when they yelled loudly enough. Right, exactly. And so, like, there's always this, like, this weird looming threat. Uh, it seems like that Nintendo can just come in and, like, cancel your, uh, if not your event, then certainly your stream. Uh, they and can it, straight up evil empire you. And right. That's a terrifying thought. Yeah, and it's great that they don't. <laughs> Almost all of the time. Uh, Mm -hmm. so good on them for that at least. Uh, but that might have been what happened with Evo because it is a stream only event, uh, now, or you would imagine that it would be for, for Evo online. Like they would, they definitely Mm -hmm. wouldn't have an invitational because as we've discussed, all four of those games have something in common. Uh, and that thing is something that smash ultimate just doesn't have. It's not even close. Um, Mm -hmm. so that, you know, it's a possibility, certainly. But, you know, there have also been some some things that Mr. Wizard has said in the past that are not entirely kind to the Smash Bros. community. Uh, he's definitely pitted the games against each other before. He put up a poll back in 2015 
or uh, I'm not exactly, I don't exactly remember what year it was. I'd have to go find the tweet. But he basically put up a poll that was like, you have to vote whether you want uh, Smash 4 or Melee to be included in Evo. And of course he put both in, right? <laughs> because, mm-hmm. because of course. Uh, He's just testing the waters. Right, yeah. And, and you know, he, uh, in 2018, threatened to take Melee out of Evo the next year and then proceeded to take Melee out of Evo in 2019. Uh oh no oh no don't do it she already ran out of the room because okay she's scared she tries to eat my uh, my cat's food and not about that not cool not cool uh but you know yeah so as i was saying like he threatened to take melee out of evo for evo 2019 uh and his conditions were like melee players complain about best three out of five uh, not being in the tournament until winner's finals. The game better be exciting in the arena this year, or else it's not going to come back. And guess what? It didn't come back. <laughs> of course. Uh, and, and I don't think that was necessarily, like, a bad decision on his part or anything. Like, Melee is, you know, it's very old, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it also did see declining numbers in the yeah. past couple of years. Um, like, more so that... It kind of plateaued a little bit in maybe 17, 18, and we'd been noticing, okay, it's not growing anymore. Um, but it has actually finally started to decline a little bit. Um, still, you know, still has extremely passionate fans, and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. But uh, that that's a trend that I'm sure Mr. Wizard was aware of. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's something that... Uh, I think it's fair to exclude it given what Evo needs to be as a brand. Yeah. Um, uh, also, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Um, also, um, I don't know. I, that's, that's a different topic. Let, let's go with what you were saying. Well, yeah, I, I was just going to say that, like, I don't think Mr. Wizard would just exclude smash because he was like tired of running it or something, you know, mm-hmm. like if it's I, making the most money, I, I feel like it, He's going to run it. Yeah, and uh, people will watch whatever thing that he's going to throw up on stream for Smash Ultimate just because they're, you know, fans, you know, mm-hmm. just because people love Smash. So I, I, I don't think that it has anything to do with, like, Mr. Wizard's personal feelings about the game or anything or, like, the Evo mm-hmm. staff in general's personal feelings. He, about he's a game. businessman. Right, yeah. So you, you, it would seem, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, dude. <laughs> like... Because I mean, okay, he he is a little bit more of a a, a Dana White than a, a Bill Gates, but <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's he's definitely got the Vince McMahon gene. <laughs> uh, so I I don't know, and I don't think he's ever going to explain. Um, because a lot of people have been asking, and I don't know. Let me check his Twitter now. Has he said anything? I don't mm, think yeah, that's, so. That's a good question. I'm fairly certain, unless he said something in the past, like, day, which he hasn't. He retweeted Mighty Keefe's video about reacting to the Evo 2020 online lineup. But aside from that... What was Mighty Keefe's uh, reaction? I don't know. Yeah, he just makes, like, he just makes, like, things Bayonetta mains say videos and stuff. You know? So it's, like, one of those. Okay. So is it, like, a bunch of, like, reaction macros... Uh, paired with each of the respective communities or something? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. That's okay. That's about it. So he retweeted that, which, you know... Just stir in the pot. 
May yeah, maybe it means that Smash actually isn't going to be there. That like no announcement is coming down the pipeline for it or anything. But yeah, it, it's just a super interesting thing to see like the reaction from the Smash Ultimate community. Like you'd think that they'd be upset, <laughs> but <laughs> it seems really like nobody is. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like I, I saw a tweet that very much. Uh... It got a lot of traction, like 12,000 likes, 3,000 retweets. That's pretty big for a Smash community tweet. Yeah. You know, that's something that blew up. Um, from Ludi Loco, he says, I expected there, there to be way more salt after the evil lineup was announced, but it seems like it's pretty much just... And then we've got a, a comic that I guess I now have to verbally explain because I've, I've made a mistake. Um, so it's the scene in Tom and Jerry where Jerry has it has this glum expression on his face. Tom's got a sword and he, this face like... Let's go, violence. But Jerry's just kind of sitting there, glumly, letting the point <laughs> of the sword stick, in his, stick on right on his belly. And Jerry is smashers after Wi-Fi, uh, after forced to be to play Wi-Fi for two straight months. And then Tom is Evo cutting ultimate. <laughs> and then he realizes Jerry's just kind of like, yeah, yeah. whatever. <laughs> I might be able to get that, actually. Yeah, let's see if we can show that on screen here. here I've got the, here it is. the link if you need it. Yeah. Found it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's pretty much it, right? <laughs> the top response is godlike call by Evo, to be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is so funny because it's like, nobody, there is no explanation yet. that Nobody knows why this is happening, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody knows why this is happening. And the Smash community all immediately jump to like well the online sucks <laughs> right so because that's why our game is bad right like, there, there's this really weird sense that i get that ultimate players really don't like their own game like so you get that impression a lot and it's yeah. not true in a lot of respects there are so many passionate people like someone does not play this game for as long without at least somewhat enjoying it right you don't become the best in the world at a game you hate. But then, you know, you saw that tweet from Sam Sora earlier, like, thank God this isn't happening. Um, it's something yeah. that's a uh, practical task, who's a, a melee player first and foremost, um, and a, a tasser, as his name might suggest. He points out that, like, ultimate players, th there's someone who hates every character in that game. Oh, right? yeah. You, Absolutely. Like, Every single character has its haters. He he went so far as to like invent this battle royale concept where after each tournament you vote to delete one character from the game. Who's the last character who's left? <laughs> and there's so many people weighing in on this. Like it's such a, a thing that is interesting for ultimate players to consider. Like which character is hated the least? Yeah. And I hesitate to attribute too much to that because every game has its own culture and maybe this one just happens to have that kind of a sense of humor, that kind of a way of thinking about it. But like, it just seems so negative compared to other games that are really excited to be in yeah. there. Um, right. Maybe this is a lack of experience. I don't know. Maybe there are other, I'm sure there are more toxic communities outside of the fighting game community. Like, Oh my god, I, I, I don't want to have anything to do with a CSGO lobby or, or a Dota lobby. Yeah, like. right. I, I think there is... I, I wonder... I've thought this about Smash before. I wonder if people who play competitive Smash 
in some way feel like uh it's almost like compulsive like you play smash because it is like the video game you know it is the game where you could play uh, you can like punch sonic with pac-man you know and so like you you don't play it for the gameplay you play it because it is like the game of games okay and so it would, yeah and I it doesn't really kind of understand mm-hmm. that like the the idea that this is the arena that people are coming to and therefore this is what i will fight in yeah 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 and and, and it is that way because like it has everything that you love in it you know <laughs> <laughs> so despite except the fact for the, the hit boxes and hurt boxes and input delay right yeah <laughs> so despite the fact that you know you get buried by uh, you know zero suit down b and then boost kicked at like 80 percent and die or something uh in spite of the fact that stuff like that happens to you and you hate it you keep playing because there like is no other option right like if you're going to play a game competitively it is smash bros (laughs) i don't know yeah that is an interesting thought and uh, it's something that you wouldn't see in a lot of the the other games that, you know, are making it in there. Yeah, like um, Skullgirls is the prime example. You wouldn't see that in Skullgirls ever, you know? It is a game that has zero recognizable IP. Uh, you know, it's a game that if, you know, if Skullgirls sucked, nobody would play it. And that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. Not to say that Smash Ultimate sucks. I think Smash Ultimate's really fun. As, as a Melee player... Uh, I, I'm not here to rag on the mechanics of Smash Ultimate or anything. I think that it's a very fun game. And I think I think that, like, I'm trying to think of a world in which people wouldn't play Smash Ultimate competitively, right? I'm trying to think of the game that, the, that it would have to be for it to not be played competitively. And I think it's like Mario Kart, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You can't turn items off. Yeah, you can't turn items off. Yeah, and and that maybe would make it so that people wouldn't play it competitively, but like it, it always will be. Like if let's take like Brawl, right? Mm -hmm. If Brawl was just some like ridiculously themed IP, let's say Brawl is a Shrek game. Let's say you take Shrek Super Slam and you give it Brawl mechanics. Do people play that game competitively? No, I don't think they do. I think it's a stretch to say they'd play Smash Ultimate competitively if it was a Shrek game. <laughs> I feel like it's the fact that it's a Shrek game actually is the primary reason that it's got so much going for it. <laughs> Shrek like, Super Slam? Yes, right. But, like, would it be... I oh, think would we- just take the mechanic of it? I see. Yeah. Okay. I think Rivals of... Saying You're saying just take the game itself. And put Shrek skins on it. Take Brawl... Oh. Take Brawl and put Shrek skins on it. Is it more or less popular than Shrek Super Slam? Less popular, but definitely still popular. I feel like we should go... Let's let's go to like some indie IP that nobody's heard of, or let's yeah. just like invent new IP. That so like I think that makes for a pure hypothetical here. What I'm thinking is Rivals of Aether, right? Like, what right. IP do you have to attach to a game to make it more popular than Rivals of Aether? A completely made-up thing. So we, we take a, a game without the in-depth mechanics of Rivals, you're saying, 
and put an IP on it that will carry the game. How strong of an IP do you need to have to carry it above the level of this beautiful, lovingly crafted indie platform fighter? Yes. That is an interesting question. <laughs> I think Shrek definitely, <laughs> like Shrek Super Slam, I think that game probably sold more than Rivals of Ether. <laughs> well, we could find out. But in the meanwhile, yeah. I think that the answer might be Injustice, because I think people, I think the other community that might share this sort of sentiment is the NRS community. Like, they kind of, in the back of their heads, know that the game is like, you know, it's a little bit scuffed. I, I always think of the slime on the scene where he's uh, he's talking to Sonic Fox and he's like, how do you justify having to use a button to block? And Sonic Fox is just like, I can't really justify it. <laughs> Let's see, Shrek Super Slam. I'm looking for number of units sold, and I'm not getting a number. This is disappointing. Come on. Like, even on Wikipedia, I see no such number. Video Seven. game sales. We've got reviews all over the place, which range from 56% to 74%. <laughs> it was not Hype. a super well-received game. Hype. And it released for a lot of different platforms, too. It's interesting. But yeah, I don't see any numbers. I'm going to VGCharts.com. I can't believe this is where this podcast went. <laughs> <laughs> Shrek Super Slam. Yeah, there's no data on it. Interesting. Oh, wait. Wait. Oh. 0.5 million. 0.5 million. 500,000 copies. If Rivals of Aether has sold more than 500,000 copies, then that's that's a win for fighting game players all around the world. I'll say it now. Um, so, let's see. Wait, when was this article published? Because there's a Forbes article that's in, uh, that says that it had sold 500,000 units so far. But I need to find the date that this was published. Are, well, are you talking about Rivals? Yeah. Okay, because this, this website says 0.29 million. 0.29 so. million. So Rivals has actually outsold. No, no, Shrek's um, Shrek's at half a million. Shrek's at half a million. This website says Rivals is at two hundred ninety thousand. Uh, it says uh, Fornis Design released the Super Smash Brothers style fighting game Rivals of Ether in twenty seventeen with some five hundred thousand units sold so far. So this is, I mean, this is Forbes magazine. I trust that number. So if that number is correct, it has officially eclipsed Shrek Super Slam. And we should all be proud of ourselves. You know what? I think it has. I think it because I'm looking at Steam Spy and it says five hundred thousand to a million. So that so good job, fighting game community. You carried, you carried the no IP good mechanic game past Shrek. You did it. You didn't carry it past Injustice. I, I'm I'm pretty <laughs> sure of that. Yeah, that that's awesome. Um, I guess this just. This raises the question, I think, what motivation does a dev actually have as a business to make a game that is competitively viable? Because yeah. it clearly isn't attached to sales numbers, right? It's not something that you need to have in order to be a good game. As much as people might disagree on the internet, as many strong opinions as the consumers might have about this, in, the, in reality, you know, we sports is a much better option for a company to make money than a really in-depth fighting game. Yeah. What what does a company do with that? Like, it, 
is every single esport just a passion project? Yeah, but I think the problem with Nintendo is that they've regressed, right? <laughs> At least in the view of a lot of people. Uh, they, well, they've. I should say that the roller coaster has been like this. So you got Smash sixty four, and and then you go up to Melee, right? And then you go down to Brawl, and then mm -hmm. like up a teensy bit with Smash four, and then you take like a pretty good jump with Ultimate, right? Mm -hmm. So like me Melee Ultimate, right? <laughs> but like. These are, you, these are melee player opinions you're hearing now. Right, folks. yeah. And I, I don't know. I think even ultimate players to a certain extent would agree that like melee... It's technically speaking if, harder for sure. There's a higher if, barrier to entry. Yeah, no one is building a Smash Ultimate from scratch, right? But Rivals of Aether exists. I don't mm -hmm. know. Maybe you consider like Brawlhalla to be that. I don't know. I, I don't really know too much about the mechanics of Brawlhalla to say that. But like... There's a lot of focus on the edge game and movement I, I would say that it's more inspired by melee than not yeah um i played it once exactly once <laughs> so take take me with a grain of salt <laughs> here, yeah um, it, it it's different in a lot of ways i think it's you would say it's more inspired by platform fighters than you would necessarily say is inspired by any one smash game yeah um but because it, it, it is cool that that genre as a whole has emerged and it emerged largely out of people's love for super smash brothers melee um oh yeah absolutely i mean you're not you're not gonna see people mod smash 6 to play more like ultimate right you're just right. not gonna see that happen it, it's happened with melee for now two sequels <laughs> i think that that speaks to a pattern that you see in games where the developer controls the community um by that i mean you know with melee the, the, there was a schism that cr was created between the community and the developer when Brawl was released because Brawl was so radically different from Melee. Yeah. And the mechanics were gone, stripped away. Everything was slower. Everything was floatier. People didn't like it. And th they went to the point of, you know, taking taking their, their capitalist uh, influence <laughs> that they had and going someplace else and yeah. saying, no, I don't want to play this game. I want to play the old one. Um, and that's not just, I mean, I imagine we've still all still bought Smash 4 and we still all bought Brawl yep. and we still all bought, like, to the eyes of the company, we didn't really make a difference in the the way that our behavior changed. Like, we still did everything that they wanted us to do that they used to monetize their game. So to that extent, are we really changing anything? Are we really exerting any influence? I don't think so. But competitively speaking um melee players stuck to melee instead of going on to the sequel which is extremely anomalous behavior um yeah you, you take splatoon you take street fighter you take like any of these games that i i'm aware of that have had direct sequels um there are still people who like the earlier editions more like street fighter 4 holy crap like people loved that game and it was still changing and developing. There was, yeah. it, was it was really, really healthy. And then Street Fighter V did replace it, even though everybody disliked Street Fighter V compared to Street Fighter IV. Mm -hmm. um, I think that for on the consumer side, on the, the side of the competitive player, you want your community to be more like Melee than you want it to be like the Street Fighter community in that respect. You want people to be willing to say, I don't like the game you put out, so I'm not going to play it. The problem is 
they're probably still going to buy it because how else do you figure out you don't like it? <laughs> right. So how do we exactly. influence the company to get that competitive experience out there? I don't think they're incentivized to do esports unless the people at the very top are actually interested in being the leaders in that space for some personal reason. Yeah. Um, I think that like, I obviously, I can speculate even less about this accounting than I can about Nintendo or the, the other businesses that I've actually had contact with. But I feel like Blizzard and Riot probably don't make that much of a profit off of esports no, in particular. No. Yeah, Riot has never turned a profit. That's like, that's pretty well documented. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. like it's Tencent. Like they've got this big investor that has been pushing that. And who in the world knows why? Like yeah. business in business sense, it does not compute that they would want to do that yeah i think uh i think there is and this kind of plays into what we like work on in our work i think there is data mining data <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense yeah uh but i think uh, if you're taking it from a purely like competitive standpoint like esports is not going to get to the level of being like something that kids want to do like like sports are uh, until something comes along that is like from the ground up you know i don't think you can create that zeitgeist with a top-down approach I, do, I don't think it's possible and i think riot is you know probably uh probably more concerned with the data mining <laughs> but i i don't think that you can just take like here's our moba it's pretty complicated it's gonna take you 30 minutes to play every time we want you to view uh reginald like lebron james you know like mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just it's just it doesn't work that way you know and that's not to say that sports aren't complicated either like it, oh, i think we yeah. a lot of us take it for granted that uh people you know oh everybody knows baseball basketball etc because they grew up learning it yeah. but there are people who didn't grow up learning it and you take them to a game and you're like wait you actually have no idea what's going on in this football game. Yeah. Holy cow. I have to explain every, I have to explain what they're doing when they line up. I have to explain what a down is. Whoa. Yeah. You know, that, that sort of thing happens. And I feel like there are a lot of games that sure, there are still plenty of complicated mechanics, but they're basic enough to at least watch and get the bare grasp of, oh, this character is beating up this character. Right. Yeah. But you can kind of follow it as a spectator and pick it up. I don't think that that level of complexity is quite as bad. Like I compare MOBAs to the stats that you would see in a baseball tournament. Sure. You know, you, yeah. You can talk about ERAs. RBIs and all of these other, all this other alphabet soup, all you Vorp. want that will confuse the casual watcher. Yeah, all your your money ball stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so you can talk about all of that stuff in in baseball as well. I think the uh, complexity yeah. isn't necessarily a deterrent, but like East, I look at the the things that have been the next big thing. You know, you, you talk about things that just had a huge media presence all of a sudden because they exploded out. And usually they exploded out of a very small niche community Yeah, that everyone looked at and was like, whoa, that is extremely cool. We want that. And five years later, it was mainstream, even though up until this point, it had been extremely underground. Um, th there are a lot of movements that follow that pattern. But esports, like, I feel like we've we've been out for longer than that, and we still haven't quite blown up to that level of significance. Yeah. And I wonder sometimes, like, is there going to be another next big thing that we are going to move on to? Are we just always going to be a niche community? Like, 
yeah there there's some some red flags here and there about esports like that the finances of it have not been paying off for big companies who are going into it like is this really going to be espn or is there something that will be more i guess culturally salient that will eventually you know long down the line be a replacement for it or something mm -hmm. or is it just that everything is less mainstream now everything is more segmented more scattered more niche because of the internet and will it never be the same yeah and i do think i i want to have an episode where we like we make a franken game that is like the perfect esport out of parts from from other esports titles Oh, that's gonna be fun i like that idea yeah and i think that we could probably get more into that discussion in that episode because that'll lead us to talk about like for example, I think we'll probably have different categories that we pick from. So like how, like, like what platforms are the game on? Like what, what gameplay are you taking from? Like, is it a team game? Is it an individual game? Stuff like that. So I think that'll, that'll be good for having more discussions about that. Like what, what do we think builds this title that, that could have the potential of like taking the world by storm? Cause we mm -hmm. have, I think the parts of it do exist in other games. I think they do exist. Um, it's just, uh, yeah. it's really hard to combine them. And you have to think that part of this whole formula is novelty. Like, I think yeah, that that's another thing that concerns me, that because, you know, it's a, a financial endeavor, if it's not new, it's not as likely to sell as much. I don't know. Um, I look at, like, PUBG versus Fortnite. I look at League and Dota and their relationship where, you know, a game comes out that has this radical new concept that nobody's ever done before that also happens to be competitively viable to some degree. I mean, obviously, Battle Royale games have a lot of issues design-wise just for competition's sake, but you you see a game that's able to capitalize on that in a very, very big way right after the first one comes out and invents the genre, and that's the one that blows up, but then there's always another new genre that comes out five years later, ten years later, that changes things up. Right. So none, none of those games ever get a chance to get a foothold. And does that cycle ever stop? Or does it just keep getting pushed forward? Does yeah. the, the rate of novelty not keep up with consumer interest in novelty? And do they move elsewhere? There are a lot of questions about that that I have in my head. Yeah. I, I'm a very... And, and here I am, of course, you know, playing Splatoon, which has... <laughs> no again the same amount of support for nintendo from nintendo that melee gets right um, <laughs> yeah and you know very very small community even compared to other nintendo ips like it's probably a lot smaller smaller than mario kart it's definitely a lot like probably the quarter the size of smash here i am still playing this game you know i i feel like whatever the economic state of the games are I am happy with the the state of esports in that there are always going to be those games, those passion projects, those beautiful things out there that at least someone is playing. Like as long as someone's playing it, the game is yeah, not dead. Right. Um, I think that some of the responses to um, to things happening with it within a game's community, and I think this is kind of where I was going to talking about the the, the negativity I see sometimes in Smash Ultimate. Um, I think Esam, who is a you know top Smash Ultimate player, for those unfamiliar, um, he had a tweet that I thought was beautiful. I think I think yesterday, um, and I'm, I'm not going to put up the whole thing because because curse words, but um, 
he says, yeah, obviously online is not a good service, but y'all won't stop, as I see, complaining about it. Um, of course, everyone is going to know if literally every single person that plays online rages and complains about it 24-7. And then he goes on to say, yeah, complaints are valid, and I'm not even defending Wi-Fi, but your words and actions and promotion of your game matter to people that don't play it. Why would someone play your game if they only hear negative things about it? Right. Um, I think that's a lesson that the Smash Ultimate community has not really learned very well. I think that's a lesson that Skullgirls has learned extremely well. I think that uh, I've only seen positivity from Skullgirls. And yes, there might be that bad blood about, you know, the relationship with Evo. There might be some issues that they're going through in that regard. I don't see them, though. Um, as someone outside looking in, I just see a bunch of people who are overjoyed that they finally, seven years too late, get to play their game at Evo. And I see a whole bunch of people who are like, please pick this game up and play it with me. It's going to be a great time. And honestly, I'm super happy that that kind of a community is getting this this much of a spotlight all of a sudden yeah. for whatever reasons, for whatever business reasons, for whatever mercenary purposes. Um, these people are getting a chance to show just how cool their community is. And man, I've with since Melee is not an Evo anymore, I'm probably happiest about that one thing, um, that one game getting into Evo yeah. more than any other game I've ever seen. Yeah, I I think that's a. That's a good sentiment. It's, you know, it's happening for them. It's happening too late, but at least it is happening. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think Project M1. <laughs> Project M1. Yeah. Be- oh, God, we've got a new Kavads now. Oh, as, no. as a Melee player, let me reach out to the ultimate players out there and say that your game, our game, you know, is something to be proud of, right? Like mm-hmm. Smash Bros is incredible. It, you know, not only has this super strong IP with with really well-designed characters. And in Smash Ultimate in particular, I think the game is really well-balanced, which is incredibly hard to do with a lineup as big as it is. Like, mm-hmm. the amount of care and detail that they've put into all of these characters is, is incredible. Like, this game could be horrible. This game could be worse than Brawl. And we are very lucky that it's not. PlayStation um, All-Stars tried to do the same thing. This game dude. could be PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale, dude. Uh, <laughs> it literally could be that. And it's so, like, there are very few games. I, I think about, uh, have you watched Donkey's review of of Super Mario 64 before? And how I he, think I have, but I don't remember. If you say something, it'll probably trigger my memory. Yeah, he, he talks about how the whole game is, like, based on the concept of freedom, which is, like, Obviously, it was like a revolutionary game for 3D, you know, video games in general. Uh, And like, it still like feels so good to play to the point where like, you know, people don't just speed run Super Mario 64 to finish it as fast as possible, right? Like we know, we know that the 70 star and 120 star categories still exist, which are categories that are like hugely based on how well you can move in the game uh, and, and use the control mechanics and, like, I think Smash echoes that in a lot of ways. I think Smash is very much, like, breaks the bounds of traditional fighting games where you're moving on, like, one line for the most part uh, and, and makes it that you f- you can really just, like, feel like you're flying in Smash, which I think is incredible. I, I think that we're, we're very lucky that Smash is the game that it is, even if you have gripes with these, like, specific things about Ultimate. So, mm-hmm. Ultimate players out there, 
it's it's sick, right? The game's sick, and we should all we should all think about think about that every once in a while. I think that Nintendo we have such a love hate relationship with them because I think in terms of making a primary gameplay loop fun. I think Nintendo are the best in the business and have yeah. been for as long as they've been doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, like they put all of this care and attention into every little detail, into the music, into the sound design, into the animation, into like, the, oh God, if you, if you haven't seen the New Frames Plus analysis of Smash Bros. animations, um, you will appreciate this game so much more by listening to Dan talk about it. A huge recommendation to go and check out that channel. Um, like there's every little detail is thought of so carefully and crafted so meticulously. And so then it gets confusing when this company that builds such a beautiful game that was so lovingly created to make you feel so powerfully as that character, whatever that experience is supposed to be is as a squid kid. Who's some punk kid who rolls around shooting people with squirt guns or, as Mario flying through the air without a care in the world, or as Zelda going and saving the world from evil, you know, get all of these experiences. And then the second we're outside of the primary gameplay loop, the second you're looking for something like an online feature or community management or, you know, certain promotion, esports, any of that, that ancillary stuff that is not a part of the core gameplay loop, Every other company seems like it's ahead of Nintendo and all of that other stuff, and it's so confusing. Um, even things like graphics, even things that are a part of the core gameplay loop but aren't gameplay f- focused, that aren't about mm-hmm. player experience so much. I don't, I don't even know if you can call it that because graphics have such a, a close relationship to gameplay. But nevertheless, you know, the, the the power of the hardware has never been a concern of theirs, despite that it's the platform by which they deliver everything. It's yeah. like. If you were you were a master painter who is using a Crayola watercolors, <laughs> sometimes it feels like that. And <laughs> what they're able to make is still amazing. You can still see the talent it took, but it's like if you were to just spend fifty more dollars on this better set of paints, sometimes yeah. like what, what could happen? Um, that that's always the feeling. I think that part of it is a cultural divide that we have from Nintendo. Um, but that's something that this is one of those things. Esports like. You tack that little piece on, you tack on a good community management system that shepherds people into leagues, that shepherds people into tournaments. And, I mean, Nintendo could could put you and I out of a job. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> or rather, uh, hire us, because, I mean, why wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, which... I think is a, a pretty good place to to seal this up. <laughs> Probably. Uh, yeah, love your game. Uh, speaking of which, tomorrow we're going to be having our Super Smash Bros. National Championship Invitational Tournament. We've been running a whole bunch of Smash Bros. tournaments for colleges uh, throughout the country, pretty much. Uh, you know, these past couple of months, and we're taking all the champions, throwing them together and seeing who wins. Uh, it's going to be great, and you should definitely tune in for it. Um, we're going to be and doing that's that. kicking off yes. a 24-hour charity stream where we're doing a whole bunch of other stuff on the side. Let, let me pull up the schedule for that, actually, so we can talk about everything that's going on there. Yeah. I've got it right here. All right, so we start off with the Smash Tournament of Tournaments, of course. 
and then we go our first to my understanding foray into mobas which is called the bronze leading the blind um <laughs> i am bronze in league of legends i think i've peaked in silver and i'm probably bronze now Hype. and then we've got coach brandon We've got other Brandon, who, who more of an operations guy, so he hasn't been as, as much of a public face. Um, we've got Scott, and we've got Coach Simon, all of whom, uh, except for Simon, have zero experience with League of Legends. Uh, Simon is going to be our jungler, and then I'm going to be busy in the lanes trying to <laughs> scrape something together out of that. It's going to be bad, and it's going to be really funny. Um, and we've got some Sea of Thieves. You guys have probably seen that on this channel before with a number of people, Cass, Scott, Simon, Sam, uh, starting at nine there. Then we've got Coach Brandon, Coach Eyes doing something at uh, midnight. Yeah. We've got uh, Money Wise multiplayer with Eric. We've got Coach Mikey doing, I think, something Smash. Yeah, I'll probably play there. some Smash Ultimate and maybe play some sports games as well. Um, gotcha. I, I, I don't know. I could do Melee, but I don't think anybody's going to be on Anther's Ladder at 4 a.m. <laughs> I mean... There are a lot of things that aren't happening at 4 a.m. as right, well. Right, yeah. Then, then we've got Kerbal Space Program in the morning with Cass. We've got Island Hopping and Animal Crossing that's going to be at 10 a.m. Uh, at noon, we're going to get a good... We thought we were only going to get two hours, but now we're going to get four hours, if we want them, of Splatfest. So all of my squid friends out there show up at noon on Saturday, um, and we will be Splatfesting. We, uh, we're all team catch-up against Mikey's Will. Uh, and then we finish out that 24-hour tournament with Rocket League's Tournament of Tournaments at 4 p.m. That's This is all Pacific time, by the way, uh, on Saturday. So we got a whole bunch of cool stuff. Um, we'll be posting that schedule, I'm sure, uh, when we can so that everyone can tune into whatever it is that they're looking for. Um, but I'm looking forward to a lot of those things, and I think it's going to do some good. Uh, it's going to be a charity stream, you know, so come on down. Take a look, maybe drop a little money for a good cause. Yeah, it's for uh, Extra Life, uh, which supports children's hospitals. Uh, really good time to be supporting your hospitals right now. Uh, yeah. So please, uh, please do tune in, hang out with us for that. Um, yeah. Anything else? Anything else you wanna you wanna talk about before we sign off here? Um, Melee is good. Everyone should play it. Melee is good. Also Project M. Melee is good, and also Project M is good, and also Ultimate's good, guys. Just. They're all good. They're all good and fun. And according to Sharpie, Skullgirls is too. I'll have to take her word for it. <laughs> yep. All right. We will see you uh, next Thursday. Bye, Thanks, everybody. Guys. <laughs>